I'm Jim Pullen. This is How on Earth, the show that makes you smarter. Today is Tuesday, February 18th, 2014. Coming up on today's show, molecular gastronomy. We have here in the studio the radio, the host of Radio Nibbles and a special guest, a radio or a molecular gastronomer. So hang on. We're going to be cooking and eating here on How on Earth. It's a special Radio Nibbles version of How on Earth. Today, here in the studio, we've got John Lindorf. John, as you well know, is the host of Radio Nibbles, which airs at 835, normally on Thursdays here on KGNU. Uh, John is the former food editor of The Daily Camera and a dining critic for the Rocky Mountain News and a noted pie expert. And uh, as a matter of fact, John Glenn went into space on his eighth birthday. And we've also got here, with much apparatus, Colorado-raised chef Ian Kleinman. Ian has cooked at numerous local restaurants, including 975 in Denver and the Westin Westminster. But he's best known for his new company, The Inventing Room, which is a showcase for his molecular gastronomy skills. Welcome to How on Earth, folks. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, outstanding. Well, this is going to be a fun show. Uh, there's, uh, it's, it's not quite, it doesn't quite look like a uh, particle accelerator in here, but we do have the pots and pans and the, and all the equipment here, an ammunition case and a, a doer of something very, very cold. Um, Ian, what in the world is molecular gastronomy? Uh, well, first of all, it's a it's a horrible term, molecular gastronomy. You don't want to sit down to a big bowl of molecular gastronomy. So it was actually a term coined by the press in the 70s and 80s to kind of give this a name. Uh, but essentially what we're doing is we're using science to help us cook. So as a chef, uh, if there's a better way to cook something out there, I want to know what it is and want to get my hands on it and try to use it uh, in my applications. Right. Well, and it doesn't hurt that it's fun, too. Yes, and it's dangerous and you know, I think uh, food that's dangerous tastes better for some reason. Yeah, I read once that uh, it was very, very important to keep the early scientists off the roads because, you know, playing with the dynamite and stuff like that, like Nobel used to do and might scare the horses. So I suppose the same thing is true. We need to be cook, keeping chefs off the highways and out of the, the real public places now but with their kind of crazy experiments and white coats. So this um, molecular gastronomy isn't all cooking, changing the physics and chemistry of food, isn't that what cooking is about indeed yeah it's uh it's taking uh, a raw process and you know doing something to it to enhance it uh, i think that's what the cooking process is so um you know we as i say like 15 years ago i used to wa walk into a walk-in and i'd have 20 different ways to do something i could grill something or saute it um, now I have 200 different ways I can do something. So my bag of tricks, as I like to say, is is increased. Um, and that's just exciting for me because the processors are different. I have uh, more chances to uh, come up with something different. Um, and it keeps me going. Um, you know, as a chef, I hit a wall, but then I figured... Uh, you know, there was all these different things that I could jump into and, and you know, use to enhance my cooking. And I've been hooked ever since. It's it's just a lot of fun. So there are new things that are going on. There are new tools that are available to you that uh, help you cook better. And these are kind of technologies, right? Yeah, the 
uh, one of which is a thermal circulator. So that's actually a, a unit we put in a water bath that we can dial in the 10th of a degree uh, in the water bath that we're cooking. So we can cook an egg at 148.2 degrees. Instead of cooking it at 148.6 degrees, we get a, we get a different texture. Uh, thermal circulators were used in the medical industry uh, to coagulate blood. Uh, so it's something that's been around for 40, 50 years that uh, we've just taken it and uh, now use it in, in a cooking application to come up uh, with all these you know wonderful new techniques. Right. So from tin cans during Napoleon to the microwave to liquid nitrogen and beyond. John, uh, how much uh, molecular, molecular gastronomy or the real high-tech stuff have you been able to enjoy over the years what's your experience with it well in my my feeling is that uh, you know all cooking is uh, transformation of uh, processes and uh, using using what the earth does to stuff to uh, to cook it um, I don't have any of the equipment but I love seeing it and uh, I've been a science nerd since I was a kid I uh, I had a space club and uh, I, ha I still have boxes of stuff that NASA sent me because they thought I was an official organization. I have uh, some of those too, John. Yeah. By the way, like on early and, space stations and stuff that sends us the Goddard, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so when I heard about this, uh, I thought it was great. I, I first uh, heard about Ian uh, when I reviewed uh, the Hilltop Cafe yeah. in uh, Golden, and uh, after that, uh, you started. You started uh, honing in on on doing this kind of work. Um, what I think, why don't, why don't you tell folks a little bit? So, w what are some of the kinds of dishes that you make that you know that help them sort of visualize what what you're doing? Uh, for example, uh, I've done a dish where I've taken like uh, all of the aspects that you would find in a loaded baked potato uh, and made a soup out of it. So uh, the cheese was made into a broth. Uh, that was the beginning point. So you have this nice hot broth that arrives at the table. Uh, I then took sour cream and added a product called methocell to it. Uh, what that does is it makes uh, uh, the product gel when it hits a certain temperature. So we put that in a syringe and the guests would push this syringe uh, into the broth and it would create a, a sour cream noodle for them. Um, and then we would add uh, other aspects to the dish uh, to make people feel comfortable. And I think that's an important process with this uh, style of cooking is we can make it really really crazy but at the end of the day people but, need to feel comfortable with what they're well, eating yeah well, yeah the question would be does it taste good and uh, having uh, tasted the nitrogen uh, ice cream it really is delicious and not something not a texture you can taste elsewhere i guess yeah um you know we I was first told about that you can make ice cream in four, 45 seconds, and I was enthralled because I was the kid uh, that went to my grandparents' house and had to sit on the hand crank for an hour and 15 minutes to be able to make well, ice cream. Talk about technology. Yeah, and if I didn't do it, then I didn't get ice cream. So when somebody told me you could do this in 45 seconds, I was just absolutely enthralled. But getting into it, it's like we can make it in 45 seconds. That's great. But why are we doing it? And the reason is, is we're creating a very, very small ice crystal. And the smaller the ice crystal and, and, and frozen textures, the, the creamier the texture. So, uh, it's, uh, um, you know, uh, and we, we've actually brought a demonstration here today. We're going to make some, uh, mango sorbet. So we have a, a mango puree in the bowl. We're going to add some simple syrup to and liquid nitrogen to well, what do you, what have you got here? Uh, Ian, what, what, what's your apparatus? Yeah, I've, I've kind of brought some components to kind of demonstrate today. We're going to do a few different textures. So we've got a mango sorbet. Uh, we're going to make a coffee space foam. 
um, that textures out of this world. That's why we call it space foam. But in, um, but in front of you is uh, in front of you. We, we've got some uh, double walled bowls. So these are special uh, bowls that we use uh, that can handle the conductivity of the cold. Um, so if we were to make this in a plain bowl, an ice cream texture, it would freeze into a solid block. But because we make it in these special bowls, there's a uh, a transfer of cold that comes to make the texture. So we've got a couple bowls here. We've got a, a whipped cream canister. The canister is filled with uh, uh, some coffee extracts, some cream some gelatin um, i'm gonna charge it with a couple uh, nitrous uh, charges and we're gonna put that in whipped cream and then i've also got uh, our floating plate in front of us so uh, it's a, a a blue block that's carved out of styrofoam that i have uh, two superconductors sitting in uh, so superconductors are uh, um, they're 12 rare earth metals uh, that start out uh, about three feet thick um, and they put it in a superheated kiln and they put it under pressure. Uh, so we're essentially smashing these metals together. And if it has the right composition, when we cool it with liquid nitrogen to at least minus 280 degrees, we can get a magnet to float on top of it. Well, let's, um, let's do an experiment. Yeah, so let's do a little experiment. So, All right. <laughs> I'm salivating, sorry. <laughs> Ooh, liquid nitrogen. Right now, Ian's uh, pouring liquid nitrogen. You can probably hear it. Sizzle. So I've, I've got it in a cup, and it's really cool to look at because it's actually turning from a liquid back into a gas constantly. Um, so it's boiling. Uh, it's yeah, boiling. it's boiling. So uh, we're going to just go ahead and start pouring these this liquid nitrogen Care, on the conductor. Careful, John. Careful, John. He's pouring that <laughs> this, close to your lap. <laughs> this, is, this is so cool. Bubbling, yeah. bubbling nitrogen. So I've got a funny story for these conductors. I was sitting at my desk one day, and... Um, I wanted to float food. I thought it'd be a really cool presentation if you were to come into my restaurant and something was actually floating in front of you that you could eat. Uh, so there's a couple different processes. I thought of sulfur hexafluoride. So it's a greenhouse gas that has very large molecules. And if you put it into a fish tank, it'll actually sit on the bottom. And if you have a texture that's lighter than air, like a, a, a rice cracker, it'll actually float on top of that gas, which is really, really cool. The only problem is, is it's really expensive and it's a greenhouse gas. So I thought back to sixth grade science and thought of a superconductor. And that's how I've arrived here. So we're just getting this really cold. So like I said, we gotta get it about minus 280 degrees. That's Fahrenheit, 280F? Yes. As, we're, as I'm sitting here, there's a uh, sort of a, a wave of, uh, of gas moving across the uh, the uh, desk here in the KGNU studios, and uh, yeah. Now what? Now what's up, Ian? All right. So oh, oh, cool. I've I've got the conductor cold enough now that I've now have a, a rare earth magnet, and I'm able to put that magnet um, on top after uh, finding the right field. So you have to think about it as a magnetic field that goes around the Earth. Uh, it's not consistent, so you have to kind of push and find it. And when you do we can take this cube magnet and it'll actually float for us. Um, and there's, there's no uh, friction, so um, it'll spin for us and do some, some very, very fun things. So Just a little air drag, folks, just a little air drag. So it'll just sit and spin for a very long time. It's not quite perpetual motion. Not but, quite. But pretty good. Getting close. So why would a chef have something like this? I get asked quite often. Well, again, because I, I wanted to float food. So um, 
we have a, a different magnet now that I'm trying to get stabilized. This is a, kind of a, a just a round magnet. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a strawberry after we get this, and it'll actually float in midair for us. So uh, we use this in different pre pre presentations. We'll make chocolate truffles, and we'll put out five or six of these so people can come up and pick chocolate truffles out of midair or some other kind of you know fun things. But again, you know, this is sixth grade science just taken and applied to the food world. So Well, all those Nobel Prizes, of course, for superconductors. So, John... The presentation is a huge, important part, and so the science can help with the presentation, can't it? It can also help with the uh, appetite. Uh, the first time I saw some of this was when I went down to uh, the Westin uh, Westminster when uh, Ian was the chef there, and uh, had it, it's it makes for wonderful tableside cooking, and it's something I missed from the old days. Uh, waiters used to come to your table and make Caesar salad or steak Diane, or uh, crepe Suzettes, or, you know, they would cook for you at the table, and it was, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. Well, now, now, it's getting a little mad in here, folks, a little mad science. And yeah, we will post photos. Uh, and, yeah, we're, we're starting now the, uh, uh, the sorbet, and, uh, this is what we, this is the process we did up at the, uh, the Weston and Westminster, and it's exactly like John said, I've, um, I worked as a, a, a busboy in a restaurant up in Breckenridge when I was a kid, and we did uh, tableside Caesars and steak au plovs. Oh, really? Oh, well, I um, was just saying that. Oh. And it was really cool to, to be able to walk up and see the reaction on the guest's face, being able to make something in front of them. It's, it's something a little magical um, that I think is lost when we take the stuff back into the kitchen with the four walls and stuff like that. So um, I fell in love with the presentation. And, um, yeah, uh, this is the first thing that I did at the Weston is we did a uh, – um, a strawberry sorbet with a frozen olive oil on top. So normally olive oil won't freeze if you put it in the freezer, but if we put it in nitrogen, we can get a, a crystal formation that we can actually sprinkle on top of sorbet is another fun and stuff. So, so. so tell us how you did have, it. And we uh, have sorbet. Yeah, so, so you, in, have the, you have this double-walled uh, I had this double-walled bowl. All I did was I added uh, some mango puree and a little bit of simple syrup. So I'm just adding the simple syrup to help create a nice uh, a sugar structure in the sorbet and to, and to give it a little bit of sweetness. So we put that in the bowl. Um, then with Okay, so that, was, that was the first thing that went in. Yeah, yeah just the mango puree and a little bit of simple syrup. Um, and then, uh, so I stir that together, and then we add liquid nitrogen. So it takes about the same amount of liquid nitrogen to freeze the amount of liquid. So if I have eight ounces of liquid in here, it takes about eight ounces of liquid nitrogen to freeze it. So but I, the liquid nitrogen is gone now, right? It's in the air? Yeah, it's, to, it's totally evaporated. Uh, you know, our, our atmosphere, all living cells have nitrogen, so it just evaporates and goes back into the environment. Um, the important thing is, is we don't ingest the liquid nitrogen itself. Um, it evaporates at 2,000 times its volume per second. Mm. So imagine, you know, swallowing a little bit of that mm. and what it would do to you. I, I tell people you would never swallow fryer oil. So we, we treat it just the same. It's just on the other side of the spectrum. But it is uh, it is possible to uh, get a little freezer burn on your tongue. Oh, yeah. On, right. on occasion. Oh, okay. Interesting. So you're putting a little bit more in now just to kind of lie, just to kind of refresh it. Yeah. So the cool thing about it is, is you know, if it starts to thaw out a little bit, we can add a little bit more and, and freeze to the consistency that we want. Um, you know, it's, it's what I tell my cooks is you control the food. The food doesn't control you. So this is just another tool where we can control the consistency um, and, and, and make a really, really beautiful creamy sorbet. So oh, beautiful. We end up with just this uh, really, really smooth 
uh, texture that you know you, you normally wouldn't be able to get. Well, now when you make ice creams, the better ice creams are the smoother ones, aren't they? Are the are better ice creams the kind of the smoother ones? Uh, and and what depends what's on, that all about? Depends on what you like. Oh well, tell us about it, John. No, I mean. You know, there's a place for a soft serve uh, Dairy Queen with the chocolate thing, but uh, oh yeah, I've forgotten about Dairy Queen. <laughs> but but in this case, um, this is like this, the beautiful thing about this also is that you have control of the ingredients. You know what you're putting into it. There's not a lot of uh, you know odd you know chemicals and stuff for preservatives. I mean, that, that's an added part of this. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, when I first started as a, as a pastry chef, we were really controlled by the ingredients. So we would always have a, a bricks indicator. So they use that in winemaking to, to see how much sugar content. And if the sugar content was too much, um, it wouldn't freeze into a sorbet. Um, just like if you have, uh, you know, alcohol, um, it won't freeze. Um, but all of these rules that I've been taught as a kid growing up, they're out the door now with liquid nitrogen because it'll freeze anything. So we can freeze mm. liquor now. We can freeze high sugar contents. We can do pretty much whatever mm. we want with it. You got another experiment for us? Yeah, I do. Oh, are we going to eat that for a second here? You, you want to try a little bit of this? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry John, yeah. slow down, John. You can listen to listen to us eat. Oh, so. yeah. Well, I tell you what. John, uh, I'll eat you, you uh, uh, host now. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, But... Um, one thing that uh, Ian does is uh, he's gone around to how, how many schools do you think you've been to in the past few years uh, wowing kids with this stuff? Um, I, I think we're almost in the 300 range. So we've been doing it for about eight years now. Yeah. So it, it started out in my uh, my daughter's preschool class. Uh, the um, the the lady said, you know, she found out I, I could do ice cream. So she said, come on in and make ice cream for the kids one day. So we went in and, and we just made ice cream. And then afterwards, the kids started asking me questions like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And it really turned into um, more of a, of, of a learning tool for these guys. And now... Uh, we go in and we show kids how science and food are just so closely related. Uh, you know, the, the big thing for me is, is Pop Rocks. I've been absolutely fascinated with Pop Rocks since I was a kid. I mean, it's one of, one of my favorite things in the world. So uh, when I learned that um, uh, the process that went into making Pop Rocks, I actually made my own Pop Rock machine. So I have a, a vacuum now that has a, a valve on it that we can inject carbon dioxide. And that's all Pop Rocks are, is it's sugar and carbon dioxide. Um, and it's just taking the sugar to the right temperature, putting it in the vacuum, and injecting the carbon dioxide inside. Which brings up the big question. So if you swallow a whole envelope of Pop Rocks, um, does it explode and you die? And you die? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I, I, I just I, checking. Yeah. That, I was, mean, that was an urban uh, myth. I, and, I think and, we should try it out. Hey, so how's the uh, sorbet? I'm sorry. I can't talk to you right now, John. I'm not going down. Your, but, mouth, your no. mouth is numb? Well, you know, no, it's great. Well, it is very smooth, but it was interesting when I when I uh, first picked it up. There there were kind of large, almost like plate like crystals in it, but it's very but it's very smooth at the same time. Those plate like crystals are starting to melt a little bit, but they were pretty big, bigger than anything I've seen. And yet, it, it wasn't water. You know, it like you get that sort of crystal, uh, you know, in things that are you know that are frozen that, like a, that like would a be pop, water, that, like a popsicle. Yeah, like mm -hmm. a popsicle. But this, uh, yeah, this is quite tasty. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. And you'll notice that that when that crystal hits your mouth, it's not like uh, like like an ice structure where it sits and it melts. It, it actually dissolves. The whole structure dissolves at once. Yes, and, yes. And that's that's the consistency all the way through. So that's that's what's so interesting about that texture. It's. Um, it's, it's just beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's great. 
Yeah, a, a subtle thing. Well, so there are some other experiments to, to have a look at here? Yeah, uh, so we're going to do the space foam now for you guys. Space, right. space yeah. foam. Here comes the nitrogen. Yeah, yeah, watch out, John. <laughs> yeah, the uh, subject of many uh, science fiction mm. movies and bad things mm. that happen. Well, we're keeping it safe here on How on Earth. Mm. So uh, I have a, a whipped cream canister. Uh, so in here I've made some a cho- or, uh, a coffee syrup. There's heavy cream and a little bit of gelatin. So the, the gelatin is just going to stabilize this. So we're going to add a couple um, charges to it. So uh, pretty much what we're doing is we're aerating. And anything that has a lot of air does really good in liquid nitrogen. So Cheetos is like the best structure to put in here. Um, popcorn does really well. So we've got this charged up now. And now we're going to fill the studio with nitrous oxide. Get ready. Wait a minute. Is that the giggle gas? <laughs> so I've, I've got this, and I'm, I'm putting a little bit like uh, a little bit more than a quarter size piece on a spoon. And then I'm dropping it into the liquid nitrogen. So essentially what we're doing is we're making a frozen meringue. So these are just little. And they float on top of the. Uh... Yeah, they float. And you got to think that we're cooking these, but we're cooking them on the other side of the spectrum. And they just take a second in here. Ooh. And now I've got this on a strainer. I'm going to reach it out. Can I grab one? Yeah, go ahead and grab it. Okay. And you okay. got to sign the waiver, but then go ahead and pop it in your mouth. Just right on in. Just, just... right on in. Mmm. <laughs> oh, dandy. How would it's you describe like a, that, John? I'd call it uh, a true uh, cream puff. Yeah. Mm. It, it just melts. It, it, it disappears instantly in your mouth. Indeed, yeah. Right. It, it's it's uh, there and gone again with just the most beautiful taste leaving. And besides that, I needed some coffee. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you can't see these guys, but they're... they're uh, uh, they've got these big plumes of smoke coming out of their mouth. We call it dragon smoke. So um, it's the really coldness of the the liquid nitrogen to you know your, your body's 98 degrees so it's a very violent temperature change oh, so that's well, let me try one smoke. more let me do is there another one for oh okay i gotta pull it in it just puts us just a second all righty mm-hmm. yeah um, speaking, this is pretty easy just a little dollop on it, there and it's food instantly it's easy but it's uh, dangerous um i i can't help but think that your your hands have occasionally ended up in the uh, liquid yeah i've i got one really really nasty burn um that i almost thought i was gonna lose a portion of my the tip of my thumb so um you know it it is dangerous um you know we have to be really really careful on how we handle it you know a lot of our parties are either drunk people or children and those are the two worst uh groups to you know reach for stuff so we're just we're very careful we we respect the ingredients and um you know we have fun we we call this food entertainment for a reason so what are some of the other kinds of things? Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, John. Uh, what are, are there some other kinds of things that uh, technology has changed? I know there's super freezing, or there are machines now that are essentially, it's like a griddle, but it, it chills. Yeah, it's an anti-griddle, so essentially that's a liquid nitrogen underneath like a metal plate that would freeze the plate to about minus 160. So then again, we could put a liquid on top and get all these really fun, crazy textures. Well, I I hate to have to interrupt the great fun we're having, and I think we'll go ahead and, and in just a few minutes continue having fun. But uh, we just have a minute left. So Ian, tell us uh, how we can learn more about this. 
Uh, well, to learn more about, there's tons of stuff on molecular gastronomy now. There's there's great cookbooks and um, there's there, there's lots of fun stuff. Um, uh, my my company's called The Inventing Room, so we're loosely based on the Willy Wonka Room where you go in and get big and purple. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we do lots of uh, entertainment parties with food and drink and desserts and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, we can be found at uh, inventing-room.com. Uh, the great thing about us is we customize everything. So if you call me up and say that you love red and strawberries, then I can take that and make a really fun, inspirational menu for you. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, we're, we're based in Denver, but we go all over the world. We just got back from Toronto doing a party up there. So, well, well, this has been a very fun. Thank you so much, John. Thanks Ian for being here today. Uh, had a great time. And, uh, thanks for having this, uh, inspiration. That's all for this edition of How on Earth, the special Radio Nibbles edition of How on Earth. And I produced and engineered today, and and, I'm the executive producer this quarter, too. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. If you can't listen to How on Earth at our regular time, no worries. Just go to howonearthradio.org and subscribe to our podcast using the iTunes button. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Jim Pullen.